Welcome back, Richard. It's good to see you. Hey, it's good to see you too. Uh, let's see, get myself oriented to time at least. It's the last, last weekend of last weekend of April. It sure is. It sure first, is. Uh, first, was it January, February, March, April? First third is gone. Yep, it's it's it has passed by very quickly. Mm -hmm. um, so, but it's almost summertime. Uh, it's almost summertime for students. They only have a right. little bit of time left. But on week, they're measuring it. They're measuring. They're counting down the days, as they say. Yes, they are. So, but you know what? That is not uh, the topic of our podcast today. Today, we're mm -hmm. going to talk about. Well, we're going to talk about an issue that we, we deal with a lot. We, we have talked about it on the podcast before, but we're going to talk about it today again because we feel very strongly that this is an issue that a lot of people deal with, a lot of parents deal with, especially if they have teenagers or young adults, but a lot of people themselves deal with. I, I had a patient come in and, and she says, um, she came in and she th said that she thought that she had a diagnosis, but she was very... Um, astutely said, you know, but of course I, I consulted Dr. Internet and I, right. wanted, so I wanted to come in and, and talk about it and see if this is what I really have. And so we're going to talk about the differences a little bit between diagnoses, di diagnosable mental health conditions and symptoms, just things that have symptoms, the symptoms of mental health conditions and the diagnosis of a mental health condition. Right. Absolutely. So, right. you know, in psychiatry and psychology here in the United States, we use the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual for Mental Disorders, um, the DSM. It's in its fifth um, edition. It had a text revision uh, a few years ago, um, but the, the fifth edition was published in 2013 by the American Psychiatric Association, and then the text revision came out in 2022, um, and it is sort of the Bible that is used for making mental health diagnoses. Right. Yeah. And and there are about 157 discrete diagnoses. But in if you break all those down, um, there's over 300 mental health conditions listed in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual. Okay. Which is a significant increase from where it was, you know, even 50 years ago. That's um, right. I think the first one was I can't remember. I think it was 1962. Yeah, was was like the first, that. and it was a little paperback. It was a skinny little paper. It was almost a pamphlet. You know, it's just yeah. like a little journal sort of thing. And now it's about two inches thick. Yeah. But we, as we learn more, it gets incorporated into um, the the revisions. So now we're up to revision five, and we learn more about these disorders. Sometimes we add a disorder. Sometimes we take a disorder out, mm -hmm. um, and so. As we learn, we keep revising this thing. So we're up to the sort of 5.5 because there was a revision in 20, 2022. Yeah. Um, now, a lot of people criticize how we, how the, our profession does this. Okay. And any system is going to be to make itself open to criticism. Yeah. But it's what we have, it's what all of us use. Um, we have to have a common language. Mm -hmm. You know, when I say to you, I think he has ADHD, you and I have a common understanding of ADHD based on the symptoms in the manual. Okay. Absolutely. But there's some, there's a key feature of the diagnostic and statistical manual that, that we want to talk about today. That right. Because there's a key part of this that is very valuable, very important, but often overlooked. And right. in that we get ourselves into some trouble. 
Right. Yeah. And I, and I think it's important to note that, you know, the DSM is the main when used in, in mental health. All physicians don't use it. Um, many physicians will use the um, you use a from the World Health Organization, um, a, a different the ICD. And it's up to like the 10th or 11th edition or something like that. Um, but there are there are other diagnostic um, manuals out there. This is just the most most commonly used one in, in mental health, and um, and and as you said, it's it, there's a lot of critics to it because people don't necessarily like the way that we break things down right. um, to to make some of these diagnoses for exactly the reason that we were just talking about. You know, there's over 300 or so. If you if you kind of pick apart some of the mental health conditions. Right. There's mm-hmm. several different subtypes of each mental sure. health. Mm-hmm. So, um, but that key feature that you're talking about is so important because it is what differentiates um, mental health diagnoses, mental illness from uh, mental health symptoms. And, and that is the issue of impairment in functioning. Right. Um nearly every and i say nearly every um mental health condition for for a particular reason but nearly every mental health diagnosis requires a an impairment in functioning some type of impairment in functioning you know Um, i I just have to underline that because i don't think many people understand that that just because you have some symptoms Mm -hmm. number one doesn't mean you have a diagnosis Because the key feature, and earlier when I said there's a key feature of DSM, the key feature is there has to be some functional impairment. Something has to be impaired in order for us to move toward a diagnosis. And degree of impairment is also important. You know, you can be mildly impaired and let's not worry about it. But you need some kind of functional impairment. So when people talk about, I think I have OCD, if there isn't a functional impairment, you're not going to get it at you shouldn't get a diagnosis. I'm not saying you can't, but maybe you shouldn't. Right. Yeah. If, if we think about it and just pause for a minute and consider that every symptom of mental illness, every, every symptom that you can think of for mental illness, at some point in one's life, that symptom is either normal or um, perfectly explainable by circumstances. So- right. Um, you know, take take some of the most serious things that we can think about hallucinations, for example. Mm-hmm. Well, it is not at all uncommon for, you know, three, four, five year olds even to talk about having an imaginary friend that they talk to, that they say they see, that they interact with, that they can be found playing with in their room. It's not a hallucination. Right. Is it? If it's a 25 year old doing that, means something very different than a five-year-old doing that. Um, hyperactivity. Hyperactivity and ADHD-like symptoms is like the the typical state of uh, kindergartners and preschoolers. preschoolers. Right. It's normal in preschoolers, right? Now, if they become get to eight and nine years old and they're still running around like like preschoolers, okay, now it's a functional problem because they can't do that in, in the classroom. So every behavior... Um, that that constitutes a symptom of a mental illness at one point in life is often typical or perfectly explainable at a different time in life. 
Mm-hmm. We have to remember that because, again, we don't make a diagnosis unless it's a functional impairment. A five-year-old talking to their imaginary friend and interacting with the imaginary friend, there's not a functional impairment there. That's what right. five-year-olds do. Um, if a 25-year-old is doing that, again, it may be a fu- there may be a functional impairment, but maybe not. But if there isn't, then you don't move toward a diagnosis. Just- right. Okay. Yeah. So, so in any given year, and here's the other issue um, that we want to talk, we want to emphasize. In any given year, about, about 21% of Americans meet criteria for a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Okay. 21, about one in five. Okay. Now, the National Association of Mental Illness, National Association of Mental Illness differenti- differentiates severe mental illness, mm-hmm. um, what they call any mental illness, right. only about five and a half percent of us have a serious ment- serious and debilitating right. mental illness. Um, the homeless who can't pull, their, pull themselves together. Mm-hmm. Uh, seriously mentally ill people who need right. custodial care, right. who need to be taken care of. So even in the mental illness category, most of us fall in that in the in the twenty uh, percent category of we have some kind of mental illness, the most common of those any mental illnesses are anxiety, depression, and PTSD. Okay, right. so of the twenty or twenty one percent of us who have a diagnosable disorder, most of us are going to have some type of anxiety, depression, or PTSD. Right. And when you think of one in five, you say, "Wow, one in five people." That's a lot. That's a lot of people. One in five mm-hmm. has a diagnosis. But then think about this. Four out of five don't. Right. So in a sense, there's an 80% chance that whatever you're experiencing is not a mental illness. Right. And we see people rushing. Well, I think I have OCD. You know, I have OCD. I have ADHD. I have this. There's an 80% chance that you don't. And that's that's really significant. So when you start to think about your mental health, there's an 80% chance that it's not a mental illness, that there's right. something else going on. Right. It's an 80% chance that it's not a mental illness, or or in the very least, that is something that you're experiencing on a temporary basis. Exactly. You know, um, some people come in and they are, you know, they feel severely depressed. They are <clears throat> really overwhelmed with these emotions. And then you know, and they don't understand it. And, and, and I'm actually speaking from a, a recent experience with with a, a person that came in that I was talking to, and they were talking about this really significant depression. But just the week before, a, a very close family member passed away. Right. And, and so they kept they were talking about how much they missed the person and how 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 difficult it is. Well, that's a perfectly expected response to the loss of a very close family member. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's not depression. I wouldn't diagnose that person with major depressive disorder. I would say that person is experiencing some, some depressive symptoms. Right. Um, but, you know, there's, there's, uh, di- there's reasons that diagnoses have to be made, but just because you're experiencing that those symptoms doesn't mean that it's a diagnosable condition. You, you have to look at the circumstances and see that this is temporary or this just may be a, a stage that you are in life right now. And we're, and we're going to talk about some of the some of our other issues with it. But 
80% chance that either it's not a mental illness or that it's something in response to something happening in your life that's temporary. That's a that's a huge percentage. Now, now thinking about an 80% chance that it's not a mental illness may be confusing right. for some people because um, they feel like, in, and we certainly experience this, where, you know, you, you read something and it will say, you know, 10% of people have depression and 10% of people have ADHD and 15% of people have anxiety. And, and you, you take all those and you add them up and it's like, wait a minute, that's more than 20%. And right. there, there's some overlap, you know, many people right. who have depression also have uh, anxiety, but right. there, there are a couple of problems as we think about this. And, and one is, you know, some mental health conditions that the prevalency rate of some mental health conditions are increasing. I think part of that is we're identifying it, we're, we're recognizing it a little bit more, but but they right. are increasing. But there is another problem. And that's really one of the reasons that we're talking about this today. And that is that many diagnoses are being misused. We're jumping to a diagnosis of something very quickly right. and, uh, without really fully considering everything that's going on. And we're making these diagnoses and, and that's creating a lot of issues that that concern us. Right. Yeah. As far as the increase, there are two kinds of increases. One is that I think that we all believe now that we're probably making more diagnoses than we really should. I mean, I think we get that feeling that many children are being diagnosed with autism and they really may not have autism. And so, so I think as a, as a professional group, we might be over diagnosing some of these conditions. Um, and the other thing is individuals are looking for a diagnosis. Um, they, you know, Oprah had this and, you know, some other celebrity had that. And so, and so we identify with these people and say, well, maybe I have something. So I think we have two problems. One is professionally, we might be making more, but also people are looking for a diagnosis to explain some of the challenges that they're facing. The right. second problem though, is that we're looking for a diagnosis as an excuse, right? or as an explanation, and you talk about age-appropriate behavior, um, from age two to five, we expect kids to be a little oppositional and a little defiant, okay? But if we say, well, my child has ADHD, then that's an excuse. Or you have the child in school, school school-aged children, I want my kid to get all A's, so I think she has some kind of an attention problem. So if we give her medication, She'll do better in school. She'll go from getting B's to getting A's. Mm-hmm. That's not why we make these diagnoses. Right. Think about a teenager, the average teenager who is rebellious, who is becoming more independent. Um, that's not a mental illness. Adolescence is not a mental illness. So we need to be careful that we're not using a mental illness to explain or justify um, our, our uh, life challenges. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, to to um, sort of excuse some of it, because um, we, we were just talking about, you know, the rates increasing in part because we are making the diagnoses more that, um, you know, yes, there is some increased awareness by by mental health providers and people, those of us in the med- medical profession in general. Um, but Part of that is the system as well, and and right. I don't know, we don't know if many people know this, but you know, if you go see a person um, 
for because you're experiencing something, you, you know, even if it's not a mental illness, you're just going because you're struggling with some decision and you would like to to meet with a therapist or a counselor to talk about this transition that you're experiencing in life. Well, if you want, which is perfectly ex- acceptable, it's perfectly allowable. And it's, um, you know, it's a great strategy for dealing with some of those issues. If you're going to bill your insurance, use your insurance coverage for it, the, the mental health provider has to provide a diagnosis in right. order for the the insurance company to cover it. So mm. there, there's not a choice. Yeah. Um, if you're going to bill insurance, you, you have to provide a diagnosis. And that, that can be really difficult because- right. Where does that information go? And and again, are, is that part of the data that's used to look at some of these prevalency rates? We use we use insurance company data to determine uh, prevalence. Right. And so you're right. <laughs> is it an insurance diagnosis right. or is it a mental health diagnosis? Right. And all of these things contribute to, um, you know, social media, you know. Um, yeah. You know, we have we had a we had a, an, an epidemic of uh dissociative identity disorder, you know, all these teenagers coming in. So I think I have, I, I think I have DID. Um, probably, you probably don't. Okay. Right. Chances are you don't. Yeah. But you get more and more of those sorts of things. And with telehealth. Yeah. You know, they're, you're seeing somebody electronically, you know, right. and that's a very different experience than having somebody in your office. Right. And so, in order to pay for telehealth, you're going to bill insurance and you want to make a diagnosis. I'm not saying there's anything untoward about that, that there's anything illegal about it, but we need to be careful because there are many factors contributing to this increase in the prevalence and the incidence of mental health diagnoses. Right. But we, we have to be very cautious that that's really what a person has. That right. It really is. We don't want to miss a mental health diagnosis. But again, I keep we keep saying there's an 80% chance that it's not right. There's 80% chance. It's going to be sunny today. Right. There's pretty yeah. good odds that you can have a picnic. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's really concerning too. And as to your point a moment ago with, we oftentimes will use, or, or people will look to use mental health diagnoses as, as a, an excuse or a rationale or an explanation for mm-hmm. other things that are happening in their life. And so, you know, there's they're, you know, they don't handle relationships well, or they're having a problem in their, in their, with their children or something like that. You know, they want to look to a diagnosis because, you know, well, there's a number of reasons why people do that. I think one of those reasons is, well, if we know what it is, then we can provide a treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are a lot of other people who say, well, if we know what it is, then at least it's not me, you know, right. that, well, it's not that I am a bad person. It's that I have this diagnosis, this condition, and I just can't help it. You know, um, if a, if a, especially men, if they are not doing very well in their relationship, in their marriage or, or other relationships, and they say, well, you know, I'm sorry, I can't pay attention to those kinds of things or I'm forgetful because, you know, I have ADHD. And so it's really hard for me to remember when birthdays are or when our anniversary is or when this happens or that we're using it as a, as a, as almost like a, as a scapegoat, like it's a, it's an excuse Mm -hmm. for us not being able to meet the needs of somebody else or of a situation. And well, if that's the problem, then get treatment for it. You know what I mean? It's like, 
those same people will say, well, you know, I'm not going to go see a therapist or I'm not going to go take medication because, you know, I don't want to do that. Well, if it's affecting your relationships in your life like that, then you're going to use it as an excuse or, or you're going to do something and get treatment for it. At some point, you, you got to do something. That's right. And we hear many people in their in this this in their 20s, for example, and you can take any age group. I mean, yeah. you could talk about 80 year olds yeah. and say, well, and it's normal to have some memory loss. It's normal to have pain, normal to have joint pain. It's normal to worry about stuff. Those are all normal things in an 80 or 90 year old person. OK, it doesn't mean you get you're allowed to be a jerk when you're older. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> I am. And I'm going to torture you. You're one of the people I'm going to. I'm looking forward to that, really. Okay. But you can take any any age span and like the the um 25 to 40 year old group, you know, sort of that middle. If you are getting depressed because you don't have a lot of followers, if you're not succeeding in your job, if you're not getting your promotions, don't look for mental illness to blame. I mean, it may not be that, that you have ADHD or you're depressed or you're anxious or you're something, but if you are then seek help. Right. And help is going to come in the form of therapy, either drug or non-drug interventions. Right. Then then go get the therapy that you need to take care of the problems that you're there, the challenges that you're experiencing. Okay? Yeah. Yep. So don't jump to mental illness to explain your life problems. Right. Yeah. So one, we go one, back, we well, go back part with that. Let me let me throw in one other part with that because I think that it's something that we probably need to do a whole other podcast on. And, and, and that is what happens is, and, and using that scenario and Richard, I, I know that you experience this with so many patients because I know, and I know I do people look for treatment for dissatisfaction with life. But so, in, but instead of changing something in their life, that's causing them a lot of distress Right. They want to attribute it to a mental illness so that they can get a medication or something like that so that mm-hmm. they can tolerate living this unhappy life, but they just don't have to feel bad about it. That's right. If you make changes, you, you will realize that you don't really have depression or anxiety. Um, what you will find is that you, you, you know, you're just not happy with this aspect of your life. So let's make a change. Let's do something right. about that. And then you might find that those symptoms go away. That's right. Um, if you're living a life that you don't want, yeah. if you're overwhelmed by your life, whether you have a mental illness or not, you're going to have to change something. It's right. going to be part of your therapy. What you don't want to do is what you just said. I'm going to keep everything as it is, but I want to take a drug to reduce my symptoms. Right. That's not how you do this. Yeah. That that that's that's going down a path that you really don't want to go down. Yeah. Okay. So you're going to have to fix whatever's wrong anyway, whether you use medications or not. Okay. Yeah. So so the question becomes: Is it really mental illness? Am I really dealing with a mental illness? Um, the, the inertia, or am I just using it as a reason to avoid responsibility or to avoid having to change something about my life? Okay. Right. Um. Some of us do have 20% of us, 21% may have a mental illness. Okay. But it's more likely that you have what we call an existential crisis, Mm -hmm. that there's something about your life 
your work, your relationships. There's something about ex- your existence that is creating this crisis that you're feeling. Okay. What you don't want to do is say things like, well, I'm unhappy. I'm not satisfied. I must be depressed. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't focus at work. I just can't focus at well. I must have ADHD. Okay. Right. Oh, I keep losing my keys. So I must have uh, early onset dementia. Um, I must have OCD or I'm autistic or I have bipolar. Chances are you don't. Right. You you probably don't have any of those things. You're probably experiencing life the way everybody else does. Right. We we are all experiencing these things. Okay. Um, we, so it's probably not. Right. I'm we just, saw this really take off also in in kids, especially teenagers, you know, during the pandemic. When when school when school went to a lot of primarily virtual based right and a lot of students were going in and doing everything online and they had to sit in Zoom meetings and well for most of us we had to sit in Zoom meetings and while we're sitting there we're having a hard time focusing because well we're sitting in a chair looking at a screen and trying to get information and, and learn from from the screen and then we start getting distracted and we start playing with our phone while we're doing that. And, and, and when, when you're disinterested in something, <laughs> when, when something is happening and you're just not interested in it, you just, for lack of a better phrase, you just don't care about it. Right. Um, it doesn't mean that you have a mental health condition. It doesn't mean, like you said, it doesn't mean you have ADHD. It just right. means you're not interested in it. <laughs> right. I mean, right. People will will look for again a, a mental health explanation for a lack of motivation to do something that you have absolutely no interest in doing. Well, that's that's not a mental health condition. That that's a, a, a it's an existential problem. That's an issue with. Okay, so what are you doing with your life? What mm-hmm. what do you want to be doing with your life, and how do we get those things to match up? Mm-hmm. Because it's probably not a mental illness. It's probably just, I need to make some changes. Right, right. And, you know, we we have a whole history of this, whether it's behavior problems or attention problems or memory problems. Mm -hmm. We have to address that part of this and not jump to, well, I must have some mental health condition. Believe me, you don't want to have a mental health condition. It really isn't a good explanation for anything. There's a much larger chance that um, it's probably just a life crisis you know, life, it's, we were never meant, this was not meant to be easy. I mean, right. I'm sorry, life was not meant to be easy, despite what you see on Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat. Mm-hmm. It was never meant to be easy. But life is a struggle. You have to work and you have to take care of each other and you have to get to work every day and you have to go to school. The, none of that stuff is easy, okay? And there's no diagnosis. There's no treatment that's going to make it easier for you, right? right? It, it's, 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 Life challenges, work challenges, personal challenges, we all have them. Right. It doesn't, it means we have challenges, not necessarily a mental illness. Right. So, so we want to avoid diagnoses if if it's not a diagnosis. If it's not That's a diagnosis, right. true mental health condition, we're going to try to avoid those diagnoses. It doesn't mean that if you're struggling with something that you shouldn't seek treatment therapy or right. counseling or something like that. But it doesn't mean you go to medication. You don't want to, you know, think, well, you know, 
I could do better. Or, you know, if I just, if I could just focus a little bit better or take a medication to make me not care, then that will help. And so we start looking for medications as a way to performance enhance, you know, use for performance mm-hmm. enhancement. We, we need to avoid those, those kinds of approaches. We need to avoid medications and drugs if we don't need them. And, right. Instead, you know, get, you know, talk to a therapist, talk to a counselor and, and look at what's going on and, and how to make changes or adjustments that's going to help improve your life. Um, not just mask the, the uncomfortable feelings. Yeah, because even if you start medication, what you're doing is you're reducing symptoms. I mean, that's all you're doing. It's not going to cure anything. Right. You're reducing symptoms so that you can do all the same stuff, so that you can do whatever the therapist is asking you to do. Mm-hmm. You take a school, it's easiest to see this in school. Right. Um, if you truly have ADHD, you reduce symptoms, but you still have to study. You still have to read. You still have to do homework. I mean, yeah. that's not going to, medication isn't going to do homework for you. Right. You still have to do the work. Yeah. And so our so it's probably it's a it's it's far more likely right. that what you're experiencing is an existential crisis and not a mental illness. Right. When you get to mental illness, you're talking about impairment. You're talking about a serious impairment in relationships, in job, in uh, you know, there's something dreadfully not dreadfully wrong there's something functionally that's not working for you. Okay. Short of that, you're probably dealing with some kind of a life crisis mm-hmm. and we'll be, and good therapists will work through that with you. Okay. Right. You don't need a mental illness to get there. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so that again, just that message of avoiding those tendencies to, to move in that direction, avoid Dr. Google and, and looking for, a, a diagnostic explanation for something that's that you're having a hard time with mm-hmm. talk to a mental health professional talk to somebody who can sit down with you and spend some time with you and go through what's sure. happening in your life and sort through it find some strategies and a path forward and you know um, we, we've had lots of people that we've worked with where we've seen them you know two or three or four times and then right then they have the skills that they need and the understanding that they need to move on and, and not, they don't have to keep coming because um, right. it's not truly a mental illness. And so, right. And, and don't let anybody say, well, yes, you have all the symptoms. So we're going to give you the diagnosis. Symptoms do not equal a diagnosis. Right. Okay. And be very, very careful. That's the problem with going to the internet. You can have the symptoms. It doesn't mean you have a diagnosis. Uh, absolutely. So, all right. That is it for this week until next time. Stay happy, stay healthy, and forget to be afraid.